Why did Joel Osteen take his wife to a Lady Gaga concert? Bethel teaching that Jesus asks believers for forgiveness? And Paula White's husband tells women in the church to watch porn. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin, and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on this episode, I would like to call it a smorgasbord of false teaching because that's what we're going to go over. But first, we're going to talk about not just the orthodoxy, but the orthopraxy, how these teachers, these false teachers that we have here that we're going to talk about, how some of their orthodoxy is leading to their orthopraxy that would lead them to do things that are unbefitting the kingdom of God. You know, recently, Joel Osteen and Victoria Osteen were seen pictured out front of and then inside of a Lady Gaga concert. And Christian News Network, Heather of uh, Heather Clark of Christian News Network actually reported on this and quote unquote from her article, megachurch speaker and author Joel Osteen and his wife Victoria were among a number of celebrities, including drag queens, actors, and music industry personalities who attended the Sirius XM and Pandora present Lady Gaga at the Apollo concert on Monday night in New York City. The two posed on the red carpet for a photograph next to a SiriusXM slash Pandora slash Lady Gaga backdrop, which is posted online. Heather Clark points out that there's copyright on that image, so she wasn't able to put it on there. But I searched the internet and did find the picture that they were speaking about. So what would entail going to a Lady Gaga concert? What would that concert look like? The New York Daily News actually gives us some insight. Here's some of the things that it says. Quote, Are you ready to blanking party tonight? Are we making history? Is how the show was opened by Lady Gaga. The popular music streaming companies had announced last month that they would be presenting the special performance or celebrate Sirius XM and Pandora coming together as one company. They also noted that the concert coincides with World Pride Month, which this year is being celebrated in New York City. The Daily News reports that Gaga quote, performed a selection of her most beloved hits, dancing around in a most homoerotic latex fantasy, dropping F-bombs and getting tips from the future by speaking to the avatar-like Gaga figure. She also spoke of her advocacy for those who identify as homosexuals and transgenders, telling the crowd, quote, so it's Pride Week. I wish I could, exi- I wish it could exist 365 days a year, but I'll take a blinking... Global Week. Gaga urged those in the theater and around the world to, quote, ask the question, what is your pronoun? Because for a lot of people, it's really hard and their pronouns aren't respected or they aren't asked. As many of you know, Lady Gaga's music 
and her concerts are performed typically in very little clothing. They're sexually suggestive. She sings songs promoting homosexuality, saying that we're just born this way. And a number of different things that are beyond the spectrum of Christianity, obviously. But also one of the things you may notice is that some of it's, I mean, clear cut demonic. If you really look into some of the lyrics and the content of what she is speaking about, whether it's her calling herself Joanna and uh, basically being a medium for this musical uh, device from a relative. But nonetheless, Lady Gaga, okay, throwing out all this nonsense about Pride Month and celebrating the wickedness of sexual sin, and yet Joel and Victoria Osteen seen smiling away in a picture before the concert. I know that Heather Clark actually reached out to Lakewood Church and they said they were unaware of them attending. Um, you can look online and find out that, it, in fact, they did attend uh, there, sadly. And to think that this is the content of a concert that they would go to. You know, the Bible is very clear in the book of Ecclesiastes that it is better to listen to the rebuke of the wise than to listen to the songs of fools. And when we look at the Old Testament, we recognize over and over again, especially Solomon specifically, when it comes to the book of Ecclesiastes, when it comes to Proverbs, There is a difference between those who are fools and those who are not. Those who are fools are those who are unbefitting the kingdom of God. And so I do not want to sit around and meditate on the songs of fools. It's not a biblical fashion, especially when we know 100% that it's diametrically opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's diametrically opposed to what God's word has to say. So why would somebody like Joel Osteen, why would somebody like, why would he take his wife to something like this? Watching women parade around, watching people celebrate homosexuality and transgenderism and everything that would just, you're just talking about literally lining yourself up with and celebrating because that's what you're doing. You're becoming part, you're partakers with them in their wickedness. And this is exactly what the Bible says about going to events like this, about going to these events, not for the sake of reaching the audience and sharing the gospel and saying, hey, this is wickedness. Let's expose it for what it is. No, this is what the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And I find it very interesting, not only to point this out, that the things that we meditate on, okay, have an effect on us, okay? It was the psalmist who wrote, guess what? I would place no wicked thing before my eyes, no worthless thing before my eyes, okay? Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Okay, when you are meditating on that which is wicked, that which is absolutely profane, there is no doubt about it. It has an effect on us, especially when we go there for the sake of entertainment. I think it's also really interesting putting Joel Osteen uh, up to the test on this verse because the very next verse, uh, verse 24, is actually where it warns about not having two masters because you cannot serve... God and money. One of the things when it comes to the Osteens, okay, and I will not call either of them a pastor because 
I will tell you this. I do not believe they meet the scriptural requirements of a pastor. And we're going to be going over that on the Good Fight Radio Show with Pastor Joe Schimmel about what it means to be a pastor biblically. And I will give a quick synopsis. You can look in 1 Timothy chapter 3. You can also look in Titus 1, 5 through 9. And one of the big texts that I would say, hey, we can just go right here and directly see, check it out, he is not meeting the requirements of a pastor. Because guess what? It says that they need to be able to refute sound or refute false doctrine and also preach proper doctrine, preach sound doctrine, refute those who do not. And he does not do either. In fact, on Larry King, you can hear him say by himself that that's not his calling to call out sin. It's not his calling. He thinks that the, you know, the Hindus and stuff that they love God too. Okay. This is not biblical. Okay. Those who love God know Jesus. Those who know Jesus know the Father. Those who know Jesus and know the Father practice the way of righteousness. Okay? So you cannot, I'm sorry, you cannot be a Hindu and love God. You can love your false gods. I think every non-believer does that. Whether you think, you know, you call yourself an atheist, whether you call yourself a Buddhist, a Muslim, you love your false god that you've created or someone has given to you. Okay? You don't hate that God. You love that God. You cherish that God. And that is why God says, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. Okay? And Timothy also, well, Paul wrote to Timothy about the God, their God being their bellies. Okay? Sometimes that's the most important thing. And I actually have a clip, guys, because the orthopraxy, orthodoxy, this stuff goes together. All right? And that is why Paul told Timothy, to watch your life and your doctrine. And in doing so, you will save yourself and those who hear you. Because when you have improper orthodoxy and improper teaching and do not rightly divide the word of truth and recognize how it is the manner worthy of the calling of Christ that he has given to us, how we should walk, and you're not able to divide, rightly divide God's word concerning those things, this is what happens, that you have no problem going into a Lady Gaga concert because you do things for your own self. You do things for your own pleasures, for your own devices, because you live for yourself. And what you do is create a God that looks a lot like you when you shave in the morning. You create a God that is not the God of the Bible. You literally break the first two commandments given on Mount Sinai. That is exactly what happens here. When you live for yourself, that is not scriptural. That is anti-biblical. That is satanic. That is a lesser Crowley, right? What is the whole of the law? Do what thou wilt, not what God wills. Do what thou wilt. That is nonsense. When we obey God, it's for him. And I'm going to play a clip. I obviously already went into a little bit what I want to talk about. But I'm going to play a clip from Victoria Osteen talking about this exact false teaching. Tony, if we could pull up that clip for uh, for our listeners. when we're happy. That's the thing that gives him the greatest joy this morning. So I want you to know this morning, just do good for your own self. Do good because God wants you to be happy. 
When you come to church, when you worship Him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. Because that's what makes God happy. Amen. Let's open. Yeah, that's what makes God happy. Living for yourself, not dying to self. Luke 9, uh, 23 through 24, I think, is really pertinent to this issue. It says, And he was saying to them all, speaking of Jesus, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, before I go to the next verse, just recognize what he's saying there, okay? In our times, if you want to put this into perspective of our times, not the message Bible, but if we just get grasp and understanding so that we could better read God's word and put it into our hearts, what he's telling them right there, if anyone wishes to come after Jesus, if anyone wishes to know Jesus, he must deny himself, take up his cross. What is the cross? It was a tool of death, a tool of execution. So if you wanted to throw this out there and say, what would I say to the person next to me that Jesus is trying to say here? I'd say, pick up or sit down in your electric chair every day. You need to die to yourself. It's not about you. You're now no longer living for yourself. You're going to live for Christ. And verse 24 says, For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Now check this out. But whoever loses his life for their own sake, no Victoria, that's not what it says. Whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. These are the blood-bought believers, those who deny themselves, those who pick up the cross, okay, the symbol of execution, and say, I am no longer living that way. I now am in bondage to my Savior. That is the language that Paul uses, that he's no longer under the bondage of sin, but now has become a bondage of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are, we are in the shackles of righteousness because now we practice righteousness because that is what God has done in our hearts. He has made us new. I love Galatians 2.20, and I think it's a great uh, summarization of the believer after the gospel. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I've died with Christ. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That, if anything, should be our walk, should be our call. This is how you walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Jesus says in John 15, 5, that apart from him you can do nothing. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, concerning spiritual warfare, that you need to fall under the mighty hand of God. Okay? These things are powerful when we understand them in their proper context. And it's powerful to note that when you died yourself and you give your life over to Christ, He is your Creator. He's made you. He knows how best that you run, how you work. He knows that you are better off to worship. He knows you're better off in obedience. It's not for yourself. It's for the sake of the gospel. It's for the sake of Christ. Paul said that he became all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. We The, the eternal call that God has given us is a call of sacrifice, not indulgence, not getting whatever you want, not calling things into existence. It is the call of sacrifice. And I'm telling you that Joel Osteen, with I believe 
and I could stand corrected, I believe he has the biggest church in America is teaching such false doctrine because he is not really a pastor according to scripture. He's a motivational speaker. And I love that Heather Clark from Christian News Network, she actually put that out, mega church speaker. Because that's not he's not a mega church pastor. Because a pastor is somebody lined up with scripture. It's the same thing as someone saying they're a believer, but they don't walk in the way of the Lord. You are not you do not belong to the way. You don't do not belong to the truth. You do not belong to the life. You do not belong to Jesus if you don't walk in his truth. If I tell you I'm a pro baseball player and don't pray pray don't play pro baseball, guess what? I'm a liar. I'm crazy. What's wrong with me? Okay? That's exactly what's going on here. I'm sorry. If you look at the biblical requirements, he simply does not meet them. And that is how we discern things. Another story that was recently discussed, I had actually seen it quite a while back, and I had no idea that the man who taught this teaching that we're about to listen to, and it's a little longer clip, so please forgive us for that, but the man who taught this is actually more local to us. We're in Simi Valley, California. This guy's actually out in Agora, but he's a teacher for Bethel. His name is Seth Dahl, and he's got a book on parenting recently out. And I'm going to be honest with you, uh, after hearing this teaching, I would tell you to run away from whatever sort of principles that he's coming up with, because I believe what you're about to hear is not simply false teaching, which I think is obviously rotten at its core and satanic at its core, but we're talking about visions and spirits that are contrary to the gospel and that Paul warned about, that even if an angel of light comes and gives another gospel, let him be anathema. All right, let him be accursed. Okay, so we're going to hear about another Jesus right here. Tony, let's pull up that clip. I had a pastor say some things that hurt me really bad. Hurt me so bad, messed me up emotionally, mentally, really messed me up. Nothing physical, nothing like that. A, a, a pastor I, I really respected said some words and hurt me so bad. And one time I was laying on the floor, actually it was in this room, I'm laying on the floor, and in, an, in a vision, in an encounter with God, in a vision, Jesus picks me up and holds me so close that I can't see anything, and he holds me so close, and Jesus starts to weep, and he says, please forgive me, please forgive me, I said, what are you talking about, please forgive you, he said, when that pastor hurt you, it's as if I hurt you because he's a member of my body. Please forgive me. And- no, Seth, that's not how that works. God is perfect. In him there is no darkness at all. This is completely taking out of verses out of context. It's so dangerous to come up with these weird doctrines and to think that you were laying there and that Jesus picked you up and, and put you in this sort of trance. And in this trance, it comes out something so contrary. Find me a single verse anywhere in Scripture. Just find it anywhere in Scripture where God is the one who needs to be forgiven. It never happens. It never happens. It's not there. This is so dangerous to think that Jesus needs to be forgiven. Are you kidding me? God becoming a man, dying a horrible death on a cross. It says in, in Acts twenty twenty eight, 
guess what? You, okay, if you're a blood-bought believer, I'm sorry, Seth, I don't know about that that with you. I'm not, I'm not the judge here, and I'm praying for your salvation because this is demonic. Whatever angel, whatever thing that was speaking to you, that wasn't Jesus. I don't, I, I just, it breaks my heart to hear these things. And it always comes back to the sufficiency of scripture, taking God at his word for what he says. And is that enough for you? I ask you that if you're here, is that enough for you? Is God's word enough for you? The word that Jesus said would sanctify you. John 17, 17 in his high priestly prayer, right? Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Your sanctification process that happens through God's word. As a husband, you're supposed to wash your wife in the word. There's a cleansing power of God's word being embedded in your heart, meditating on it day and night, writing his word on your heart that you may not sin against him. These are things that we are to do with God's word. And when we don't have those things emanating from us and we don't have those embedded in our heart, This is the kind of nonsense that can happen. Because where was the testing? Where was the, hey, let me see, what verse? Where does Jesus say, yeah, you are my body, so therefore when you make these mistakes, I'm actually the one. I'm sorry, that's what it is. I'm the one sinning, okay? Because if that is what you are taking that text to mean, you are saying when somebody, as the body of Christ, does sinful activities, that Jesus is the one doing it, that's why he's the one who has to ask for forgiveness, It is beyond unbiblical. In the book of Jeremiah, when they were literally murdering their babies, sacrificing them to false gods, God did not look at them and say, yes, it's me who did it. No, he did not. He said, that would never enter my mind that you would do such a thing. It would never enter my mind. That's what God says about the wickedness done in his name. Not this. This is sad. And what this encounter that he talks about sounds like is one of the very dangerous teachings or healing ministries, I don't want to even call it a ministry, that they have coming out of Bethel. And I believe that what he's talking about there is a sozo prayer, okay? And a lot of you guys may not be familiar with this. I was not familiar with sozo prayer or healing until I had ran into a wrestling coach, actually. And we were talking about it. He said, you know, he grew up in the in the church. His dad's a pastor. And he said, my dog's name is Sozo, you know? And I was like, I, I have what? why would your dog's name be Sozo? And I knew there's a, there's a Greek word, uh, which basically means uh, to save. Uh, sozo uh, is that Greek word. And I was like, okay, that that's cool. He's like, no, it's this, it's this prayer technique. And the way he explained it was that, that he would get into this uh, meeting. And in that meeting... He would have a leader there and they would basically sit there until they figured out who is speaking to me. Is it the father? Is it the son? Or is it the Holy Spirit that's speaking to me right now and having a conversation with me? And I was like, bro, that is pretty dangerous. In fact, just that idea is so contrary to God's word when it comes to prayer in I, I believe that the Trinity 100% is used in your prayer life every time you pray. Not one of them, not one aspect of them, okay? But I believe the Trinity is used, and I will, and I will show you some scriptures to prove that. You see, Romans 8.26 tells us this. 
In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit will pray through you for you blood-bought believers. But guess what? 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Matthew 6, 9-15, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. So I believe... Not that you can't speak with Jesus and talk with Jesus as as well, because he is the mediator, okay? But I believe in your prayer life, when you are praying to God, that the Holy Spirit, with great groanings, expresses these prayers to you, puts them on your heart to pray. Jesus mediates them right directly to the Father. I don't ask Jesus, can I just talk to you? I don't really want to talk to the Father right now. Can I just talk to you, Holy Spirit? I don't really want to talk to the Father right now. They are in unison completely and perfectly So just from the onset, I thought, wow, that is absolute nonsense. And here is the words of Don De Silva. She's the founder, uh, uh, Donna De Silva, Silva, sorry, is the founder of Sozo at Bethel. He describes the program this way in the Sozo Basic DVD, quote, Our mission statement is to provide gentle yet powerful deliverance in a safe and honoring atmosphere in which the Godhead is allowed to direct our means of ministering. You will understand that when we teach you the, quote, father ladder, we, when we talk about the Godhead, most people, when we ask, who do you pray to? God. Okay, that's a good place to start. But we're going to teach you to use a tool for the entire aspect of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And it's just not a biblical way of looking at things. So uh, the official website says this, the Sojo ministry is a unique inner healing and deliverance ministry in which the main aim is to get to the root of those things, hindering your personal connection with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thus, with a healed connection with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you can walk in the destiny which he has called you. Um, Guys, this is nonsense, okay? Jesus tore the veil, all right? His death on that cross, the veil was torn and we go directly into the Holy of Holies. We have direct communication with God. Because of what Jesus did on that cross. In the article describing the different levels of sozo prayer, they they describe what's called the six tools of sozo. And the sixth tool is divine editing. And tell me how dangerous this may be. You can just think about this. Okay, before I get to our last clip, it says, quote, divine editing has also been linked to Dr. Iko Horman in relation to the sozo prayer. If your childhood lacked Nurturing, invite your heavenly father to fill the voids created by the lack of nurturing. He will, quote, edit it, edit your memories, both edit out painful memories and edit in his nurturing. But where did they get this? This idea was first associated with Sigmund Freud. This was a man who used so much cocaine that most people believe that he was, he said that he completely went off at cold turkey. And most people believe now with the amount of cocaine he was using during these trips and everything that he was going through that he would have died if he actually would have quit cold turkey as he said he did, okay? And that is where it came, but without the divine aspect. This stuff is dangerous, and it leads to weird nonsense and demonic activity. There's one last clip I want to show you from uh, Jonathan Cain of Journey. Why is he a big name? Not just because he's in the band Journey, but because he married, I will not call her pastor. I will call her a fraudulent pastor, Paula White. And let's hear that clip real quick, Tony. And the other part of it is, ladies, if you don't know what you like, you know, figure it out. Get a book. What? Go get some porn. Do something. Whatever. <laughs> if he likes to watch porn, watch porn with him. You know what I mean? It, it's like, you got to get where you're going to go. 
you know where you're going to go? You're going to go to hell. I'm, I'm sorry. That's what's going to happen. Okay? If you start watching porn because, oh, I don't know what my husband likes, give me a break. That's absolute nonsense. It's demonic. It's what Jesus literally said. Cut off your hand. Pluck out your eyeball. If you lust after someone, that is disgusting. Watching somebody. Could you imagine people being peeping Toms? Walking, walking up and looking into uh, different windows while husband and wife were sleeping with each other, while boyfriends and girlfriends, whatever, watching that and being like, oh, this is okay. Yeah, this is okay. This is, this is befitting a believer. It's absolutely disgusting. And it was said literally standing next to his wife from a pulpit. His wife, and don't think these people don't have an effect. We're talking about some of the biggest churches in America. You're talking about um, Lakewood Church. In Texas, with Joel Osteen and Victoria Osteen, we're talking about Bethel Church, which is one of the biggest churches. 90% of churches, or probably more than that, are singing their songs every Sunday, okay? And now we're talking about a spiritual advisor to the President of the United States and the guidance that her husband told a congregation to have to the women to go watch porn. That's absolutely disgusting. Paula White tried to give a caveat and say, oh, well, you know, people are going to go crazy and, and, and people are going to go nuts and da, da 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 And he's not saying just don't get it. He, she, what she said was don't get addicted to porn as if it's okay to watch it as long as you don't get addicted. Yeah, it's okay to commit adultery unless, as long as you don't get addicted to committing adultery. Let's see how God feels about that. I want to encourage you guys to hold on to God's word. Hold on to his precious and magnificent promises. Also cling to those warnings. Recognize We ask God to forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our sins. God is not a sinner. He's absolutely perfect. It says over and over again, he was not a sinner. Book of Hebrews is very clear. Jesus had no sin in him. First John makes it very clear that it's a demonic doctrine. If some other spirit is telling you something contrary to the word of God, you need to run from it, not walk, run away from it. I pray that this week you would be active in sharing your faith so you have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. This has been Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries, and this has been the 511 News.